The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Pete Sweeney here hanging out with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we have made it through the offseason. We are at mandatory minicamp beginning later this morning. Yeah, it's a, it's a big day for Chiefs fans. Uh, some teams had their mandatory minicamps last week, but the Chiefs are among the teams that are doing it this week, uh, finally, after all the uh, OTA sessions. I don't know why you would do it that way, but whatever. I'm, I'm, I like the Chiefs are doing it this way. Yeah, I agree. It seems like teams can really dictate their own off-season schedule up until training camp. I know that the league is trying to drive excitement. I believe the day is July 27th when all these training camps are supposedly going to launch at the same time. And so that should be, I think, really interesting. I'm sure NFL Network will have the coverage from all the different cities. And hey, things are starting to normalize. It's a good time to be a fan of the NFL. Good time to be a Chiefs fan. Indeed. Um, It's been a good time to be a Chiefs fan for several years now. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Ever since I got to Kansas City, John, they have been a a perennial playoff team. Is is, is that what it is? Okay. Okay. People say it's Andy Reid. I say, I don't know if that's completely true. Okay. Enough. Enough. Well, the newest, the newest part will be with your new defensive decorations in your office. Yes. Thank you. This will be the thing that makes it a great, great day to be a chiefs fan. If you guys listen to from the podium, you would have heard Steve Spagnolo (laughs) a week or two ago, call me out. So we installed some new defensive decorations. If you do watch the press conferences on YouTube, you can check that out later today. Also, now, is that defense thing you have, is that something you can order on Amazon or something? Or did you make that up yourself? How did how did that come about? Yo, the, the, the Amazon order. order. John, I am not an okay. arts and crafts man. Do you think that I could have this precision <laughs> on this defense stuff? There's no way. We have a really unique show for you today, and we're going to get into it in a second. But before we do, got to remind you guys to please rate and review us. Five stars helps. Let us know what you think of the programming. As you can tell, we are rebuilding. We are relocking. We are reloading this thing. We have the Arrowhead Drive every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to get you ready during the off season. We have all new shows that are running throughout the week after us, of course, will be out of structure. You have show and BK, the great British chief show, really enjoying the content that we're building here at the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. All right. On today's show, it's mandatory minicamp. 
And with minicamp comes, I think, a lot of questions about the team. This is what we do starting now with minicamp and building into training camp is we start answering questions as we get ready for week one. So what I had John and I do, and usually we're very prepared and give each other outlines and know exactly what's coming. Not today. (laughs) We are having a question draft of the most burning questions that we have about the Kansas City Chiefs entering what is mandatory mini camp later this morning. John, I'm going to let you start. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the first overall pick. I have a All feeling right. we both have the same burning I, question, but you go I ahead. Have that, I have that same feeling. Who are the Chiefs starting offensive line ah! going to be? <laughs> yep, that was my, my first question as well. And I'll say this, and John, I'll let you respond since it was your, your question. I really think four of them are locked in. I know that people are saying that there's battles all across the center to the right side of the line, but I think Orlando Brown is locked in and Joe Tooney. We know those are the ultimate locks, right? And here's Mm -hmm. where I'm thinking, I think Creed Humphrey is going to win the center job. And I think Mike Remmers, at least to start the year, is going to win right tackle. I think right guard, on the other hand, especially with this Kyle Long injury, is wide open. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and And I've been saying for a while... Uh, that I've that I'm moving a little bit more towards Lucas Niang being the starter uh, for 2021 at right tackle. Um, you know he he continues to impress me, um, and I think we'll learn a little bit more about you know his ability to do that in minicamp. Uh, but training camp will be the 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 time that we'll really be able to tell that. But I agree. I think right guard is the most interesting thing here. And I think that it's all interdependent on each on each other. If if Niang is the guy at right tackle, uh, I think they're going to give more priority to Duvernay Tardif at right guard. I don't think the Chiefs are going to want to have three rookies uh, starting from the center to the right side. I know some people would disagree with that, but I I just really don't see the Chiefs doing that. It, I think it's going to be a little bit outside of their comfort level to have even two rookies starting I, on the line. I think Andy Reid, and you know, he usually says best five, but I, yeah. I think he feels more comfortable with the veteran at the tackle positions and more so in the interior. You can get away right. with a rookie because you have those veteran I can see that. Yeah. pillars. What I also want to note here about the offensive line as we get into minicamp and then training camp, the most buzzworthy Chiefs offensive lineman from reports and fans, and you're starting to see maybe the national media dip into this a little bit, this Trey Smith. I think Trey Smith is mm-hmm. the ultimate dark horse, the sixth rounder who a lot of people thought uh, could have been a first or second round pick if it wasn't for some of the medicals. I know that show and BK talked about that last week where he could miraculously win this right guard position, I think, to start the season. So I think Trey Smith is someone to watch. All right. I'm going to get to my first question, John. All right. And I'm going to what I have called a few times on this program, what I believe to be the thinnest position on the team right now. And that's a linebacker. And my question is, is second year linebacker Willie Gay ready to play more? And I go back to his comments last week where he said as a rookie, he didn't really have an offseason to get a base and he was thrown into the fire. And I think we saw as a result of the playing time, what was the number one question throughout the year last year? It's why is Willie Gay not on the field more? And I think as time goes on, it's getting more and more revealed that 
he wasn't comfortable with the system. And he also dealt with the injury uh, toward the end of the year and then the one that ended his season, Super Bowl week. And so now he is 100%, as he confirmed uh, to me last week. And I also think that he feels a lot more comfortable. And he's going to have to because you don't have Damian Wilson anymore. So there are snaps to be had even if Ben Neiman is on the field, which I know is a nightmare to Chiefs fans. But I think just watching Willie Gay every day at mandatory and then a training camp is going to be probably the number one defensive point to watch. I agree with that. And uh, uh, I, it wasn't my second question, but but I uh, think uh, I think I you're asking one. a really good one there. Um, and, and it's one that a lot of people are wondering about and, and should be wondering about. Um, and I think the it's further complicated by having Nick Bolton on the team. Right. Um, you know, they're going to want to give him snaps this year as well. And um, uh, so where do they where do they draw that line? How do they work up those packages with having these two young players and what what positions will they hold? I think they're set on having Hitchens there as the mic most of the time. But I think they're also going to want to see Nick Bolton do that some to see what they've got there. Um, I do think that Gay will get a lot more playing time this year. I think it's I think he's ready for it, and I think that the their willingness to part with Damian Wilson tells us that he'll see a lot more time than we saw last year. And Gay is thought to have this Derek Johnson type of ceiling. And I know that's a big name, but we asked Derek right after the draft here on Arrowhead Pride and and Derek said he watched a little bit of his tape and he reminded him of himself. So that's just not me saying that. I also think at the linebacker position, one last point, it seems like it's gut check time for Dorian O'Daniel. You have Emmanuel Smith in this mix. I just think just playing special teams may not get you on the team. I know you, you do need those special teamers, but it's just a very interesting position. I think there has to be some kind of growth defensively for O'Daniel to make this team. Well, and they have some undrafted guys that could find themselves special team slots as well. So, uh, you know, you have to think about that every year. These undrafted guys are pushing at those kinds of positions. So we'll see. All right, John, your your next question here. All right. Who will be their primary edge opposite Frank Clark? I had that on my list. Not next, but I had it on my list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is one of those things that we're going to be talking about for a while. Um, everybody thinks we needed to get another edge rusher, either in free agency or in the draft. And uh, I'm not sure that we do. I think we've got some good players in there, guys like Tim Ward uh, and Tershawn Wharton, who are young players who could get a lot more snaps. Uh, Mike, Mike Dana would be one of those guys. And uh, we could see one of those three be the primary edge rusher. I'm I'm not really sold on this Chris Jones at defensive end thing. I I think I think they're going to use him a little more in some packages, but they were already using him in 18 of the snaps. Um, I don't think they're going to push it much above a quarter of the snaps. I think they're just going to do it a little more often and make teams be prepared for it. And watch for that. Yeah. You know, otherwise, I think they're going to be trying to depend on somebody. I think Steve Spagnola was really honest in just saying they're still figuring out if Chris yeah. Jones can manage it and if it's the best thing for the team. I think he's going to be along the interior still more than he is on the edge. So I actually had a qualifier when I wrote this question down, and it was with Frank Clark back after missing voluntary OTAs, because this is the first time now he'll be with the team. Who is lining across from him when Jones is on the interior and who's getting those first reps across from Frank Clark? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. something that mandatory minicamp gives you is you're, you're looking across the way and you're saying, well, 
who do the Chiefs like best there? I tend to think it might be Taco Charlton, just because oh, I, I, didn't, I think didn't, you saw forgot, even forgot about him. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think you saw some upside there, and it's a it's a former premium pick at the position, and it seems like he's playing the best football of his career, and he, he really needed to. This seemed like a last chance mm-hmm. yeah. for Taco Charlton. I, I think he gets the first crack, but Mike Dana will certainly be in that mix. Tim Ward, you know, Damone Harris, there are other names, and we can, we got to mention Austin Edwards, right, John? We absolutely do. I promised that I would, I would remember him, and Austin Edwards is going to be in that mix as well. Okay. All right. I'm going to get to my next question, and it's about the cornerbacks, and I'm wondering, how are the cornerbacks lined up? I would assume, at least to start, it's going to be Jarvarius Ward and Legarius Sneed on the outside, and they're going to be mixing and matching to find out who could be this slot guy, because I, I still feel like they want to put Sneed on the outside, but I'm also wondering, where is DeAndre Baker in this mix, who we know has uh, upside that the Chiefs really like? Where does Mike Hughes fit into that? How does Rashad Fenton fit into that? How often are they running multiple safeties? Is Bo Pete Keys ready? I just think there's a lot of questions in that secondary. And I know folks have been wondering, okay, you, you put Snead to the outside, who mans the slot? It's a really important position in today's NFL, but I think the Chiefs have time to figure that out. Well, my version of this question, which was in the same position, was which unproven corner will be the one to step up? Mm. And that's and that's basing it on the way Steve Spagnolo answered that question for us here recently when he was asked about it. And he said, well, in Philadelphia, when we, we had this guy who was like Legereus Sneed, when some packages he played on the outside, and then when there were more cornerbacks on the field, he moved to the slot. And I think there's a good chance that that's exactly how the Chiefs will do it, that we'll see Sneed on both the outside and in the slot. Yeah. So then well, the they question were doing is... That. I mean, I know he went back yeah. to his Philadelphia days, but they were doing yeah. that prior to Kendall Fuller. Having all those Mm -hmm. injury issues, that was Mm -hmm. what they were doing with Fuller. Fuller would be in the outside in those base, and then he would come in. So, yeah, you could see Snead doing that as well. Right. And and I think that what they're going to do is give him a lot of work at both of those positions. So he's prepared to do both of them. And then they'll make a decision because even Spagnolo recognized that there might not be an unproven corner to step up that DeAndre Baker might not be the guy that, yeah. that, that Mike Hughes might not be the guy or one of these young guys. I mean, they've got a ton of cornerbacks, defensive backs in camp. Uh, so uh, it, they might not get one of those guys, in which case that's certainly what they'll do is that, you know, Rashad Fenton will be getting more playing time or, or something like that, or, or, and or Bo Pete keys. I think you got to also, you know, train, train Baker, and I have him play multiple. And I think Mike Hughes needs to play multiple too, because you, you just think about it. Now that Bashad Breland is officially with the Vikings, man, Legereus needs importance is through mm, the roof. Yeah. The Chiefs yeah. cannot afford to miss him. What was it? Four to six games last year with that collarbone injury. And God forbid, knock on all the wood, if he were to go down, it's just become such an important player for the right. Chiefs and a diamond in the rough, really. Don't forget, this was a day three NFL draft pick. That one continues to pay off for the Chiefs. All right, John, I know you're going to like this question, and then we'll take a quick break. Is Daryl Williams' backup job in jeopardy at the running back position? We know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the top running back. That's not a question. But Daryl Williams' job is interesting to me. I think the Chiefs like him next after Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I tend to think he should be the backup when it's all said and done. But you have your boy, Darwin Thompson's in the mix. There's a fullback, Mike Burton, 
You have Elijah McGuire and Derek Gore. And then there's a wild card. Jarek McKinnon mm-hmm. suddenly yeah. enters the mix. And he profiles, I think, a little bit more to what Clyde may be able to do. And we'll see if someone's able to push Daryl. I think Daryl ends up keeping the job just because I think he offers you a little bit of a change of pace. He's more of that bruiser type of guy, that old Spencer Warish running back. And Clyde is more, I think, of what is a pass catching back and a little bit, I, I think, more elusive than what would be Daryl Williams. So I think Daryl ends up keeping it. But you got some interesting names there to push Daryl Williams. And then also, how does the rest of the room shape out? I think that's a good question. That one didn't occur to me. So I'll give you credit for that. Oh, one. look at that. Yeah. Um, and I and I th- and I agree with you. I think uh, Daryl Williams is the guy who's the backup for the reasons you specified, because he he brings a kind of a different uh, a different feel to the game than than Clyde does. And I agree that McKinnon is a wild card in this deal. Um, and it's going to put some pressure on Daryl Williams. And he, I think he's a little bit more like Clyde. So maybe they see him as the guy to come in if Clyde gets hurt. Um, and then Daryl remains the the change of pace back. I don't know. It'll be very interesting. And and my guy, you know, my guy. Darwin Thompson. <laughs> Darwin Thompson. Um, you know, I'd love to see this kid succeed, but uh, it's looking more and more like it's going to be hard for him to find a spot. As a as a starting player in this well, the, offense, the thing that's pro the thing that's a problem with retaining Darwin Thompson going into this particular training camp is you could make a case for seven receivers and eleven offensive linemen. I mean, I don't expect both of those things to happen, right? But there is so much talent at those positions. So you know, where mm-hmm. are you cutting? Are you just keeping t- Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Blake Bell? No, I expect them to keep three tight ends as well. If you keep the fullback, now that's suddenly you're talking. You know how many possible players could you keep? You're only, you know, you're typically only keeping 25 and how do those numbers figure? And so, yeah, Darwin Thompson, I think is really going to have to show out to convince the chiefs to keep him on this team. Now, if he were to be cut, I think he's on an NFL roster somewhere, but that's just the roster building that the chiefs have done this off season where I think you have to ask that question. All right. Those are our first five questions. When we come back, we will continue our question draft. I think we're calling it uh, here on the Arrowhead pride editors show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Happy mandatory minicamp to you. It's the real first start 
<laughs> of the off season where it's really starting to feel like, okay, week one could be within reach here. After these three days, the Chiefs will have about a month and change off. It'll be a little bit low key for us, John. So we're going to get some R&R as we continue to fill the site with whatever happens from a Chiefs perspective. We hope at some point the Tyron Matthew extension happens. I think that is a question that might come up here. But so once minicamp is over, We'll be heading into that break, and then all of a sudden, end of July, we are right into training camp. Let's continue our question draft, John, and you can ask your next question here. Well, you've uh, predicted it for me. Will Tyron Matthew get a new contract in 2021? Uh, And that could actually be happening here in the next few weeks. Um, It's not, you know, most of these questions have been focused on what players are going to be on the field. Uh, Tyron Matthew is obviously going to be on the field in the starting role. The question is, uh, what happens after this year? And and do the Chiefs uh, want to clear up some more cap space that they can roll over into 2022? I think they do want to roll some cap space over. I think they do want to keep Matthew for another couple of years at least. So I think that they're working towards uh, making a deal with him for a new contract. Um, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, I think my main question when it comes to that, John, is as we're getting our R&R. Which national park will you be in with that brand new trailer when this news breaks? (laughs) Which restaurant will I be in? Will I be at at the Lake of the Ozarks or something? Uh, Because we we know for sure whenever this news comes through, it's going to catch us by surprise. No, but in all seriousness, I think that this will happen. I, I really do. I just do not think you can let someone who's been so important to your franchise go into the final year without an extension and I think it's even to the point, like you go look at this Le'Veon Bell situation over the weekend where Tyron Matthew, you, you've seen Chiefs players where they don't necessarily want to get involved in the weeds. Tyron Matthew just said, look, some guys make excuses. Some guys don't really in a way like defending Andy Reid mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yeah. And I don't think I'm exaggerating here. He's becoming like an all-time chief. Like you cannot mm-hmm. let this guy go into the season without an extension. You just can't do it. That's all all I can say. I think when we look back on the Super Bowl championship season, we're going to see Tyron Matthew prominently in that that role. And I I think we do already, but I think going down the line, we look back on this on 10 years, we're going to say Tyron Matthew was one of the reasons it happened. And just the way he talks about wanting to have a legacy and like very clearly wanting to continue his career for another eight years with the Charles Woodson mm-hmm. stuff and wanting yeah. to change mm-hmm. the number and just a clear cut desire to want to be in the pro football hall of fame. I I'm always, I think, well, I always try to, as someone who covers the team, I always try to take a step back, but I'm with the fan base here. I, I think this guy needed to be signed yesterday. You know, I didn't necessarily feel this way about Chris Jones. I thought they might go in another direction last year. I'm right with the fans when it comes to, to Tyron Matthew. All right, let's go to the next question. And this is from me. How are the Chiefs using Cornell Powell? Is it in the X role or is that going more to Byron Pringle? Don't forget, we need to figure out a replacement for Sammy Watkins in that role. Now, sometimes I think that gets a little bit overblown when we talk about the question because the Chiefs have been replacing Sammy Watkins every year since he was a player <laughs> on the Chiefs. Like they've, they've mostly done it with Demarcus Robinson. I think what's interesting about this year is that Cornell Powell and Byron Pringle could serve you as an upgrade. And the Chiefs, once they drafted Cornell Powell, they very clearly said, 
He's the height and weight threshold we like at that position. Byron Pringle has been waiting for this opportunity for years now. And every time he touches the football, it seems like good things happen. So I wonder if this is more of a Powell versus Pringle thing than a Hardman thing. Like I still look at Hardman in that. and, and <laughs> Hardman would hate this if you heard it. Uh, who knows? If you're listening, sorry, Hardman. But it's like almost like a glorified DeAnthony Thomas role. <laughs> In, a, in an advanced set, like I, I really look at Powell and Pringle as the next X receiver. And I just don't think that is necessarily in the cards for Hardman. Yeah, I think next week we'll have lots of McColl Hardman pictures on the wall behind you. <laughs> Once he's at me on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and watch him rip a thousand yards and come back to this audio. Yeah. Well, I think those are all very good questions. And, and, and one of mine a little bit further down the line was, does Byron Pringle get his chance this year? You know, at some point he's got to get that chance with the chiefs. They're very high on him. Uh, he produces when he gets the opportunities and, um, and at some point they're going to have to give him that chance to, to be that guy. But now they've got this other receiver who fits that same mold. So competition is always good. It's going to be good to see these guys fighting each other out. Jody Fortson's going to be in that mix as well as another guy who's a little bit bigger and could serve that kind of a role that they like. Uh, they've kept him around on the practice squad for a year to see what he's all about. So it's going to be an interesting battle, I think, to see what they do to replace Sammy Watkins. And and yeah. having Cornell Powell, I think, uh, it adds to that. Fortson is interesting to me. This bigger body that you're right, they have kind of kept around since 19 in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know who they did that with? Demetrius Harris. And then all of a sudden, Harris came out of the woodwork and mm-hmm. was a pretty decent contributor as a number two tight end for the team. I know. It's funny Stop. how we look at him that way now, isn't it? Stop laughing. The Chiefs have not replaced Demetrius Harris. No, they haven't. No, they have uh, not. <laughs> they might this year, which could be another question, teaser. But I look at Fortson as now it's a now or never thing. I mean, you're what? It's 19, 20, 21. So this will be the third year. You saw it with Harris. They developed him into someone that could contribute for this mm-hmm. team. Will it yeah. happen with Fortson? Similar body type, even though he's this receiver tight end type of hybrid thing. Is it my question or your question? I'm losing it, track. It's mine now, I think. Okay, you yep. go ahead. So, do the Chiefs intend to keep Anthony Hitchens in 2022? Oh, good question. Actually, actually going ahead a little bit. I did not have this one down. Yeah, you ask... Back average, to the future. You ask an average Chiefs fan, uh, you know, a question of this nature. They're going to say, oh, well, they're going to cut Anthony Hitchens next year because they can save, you know, X million dollars off the cap. But I think that disregards how the Chiefs feel about this guy. You know, the fans watch Anthony Hitchens be a little slower, you know, not being a guy who can fill gaps like other players do. He had a little bit of an uptick in the middle to the end of last year where you're like, oh, is that still Anthony Hitchens? But yes, that's right. You always have the question is, can he carry that over to 21? Right. And and he's coming into camp a little lighter, a little leaner this year. Uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more speed from him. But I think all of those assumptions about Anthony Hitchens being cut in 22 are ignoring the fact that the Chiefs love this guy. Right. You know, and they talk about him all the time, about uh, his, how his football IQ helps the defense. We We touched on this briefly last week, and I talked about uh, you know, the situation with uh, Gunther Cunningham and when Robinson took over back in the Vermeil days that, you know, there's a difference between the kinds of 
defenses some coordinators run compared to others. And Spagnolo's defense seems to be one that's built on players being smart and following their assignments. And you can't overstate the importance of a guy with good football IQ to run that defense. Now, I think they have Nick Bolton to take Hitchens' place. So then the question becomes, does he step up in a big way this year and make it possible for the Chiefs to move on from Hitchens next year? Or do they plan to keep Hitchens next year? Is that the the long-term plan to keep Hitchens, let him play through his contract, and then Bolton takes over in 2023? Yeah, I completely agree that this is more of a conundrum than I think gets credit for in Kansas City Chiefs circles because I think the assumption is just they'll cut Hitchens but I agree in the sense like you talked to Steve Spagnuolo and Anthony Hitchens is an extension of his brain it's Mm -hmm. like if Steve Spagnuolo like if Anthony Hitchens was one of those transformer cars and and Steve (laughs) Spagnuolo's in it you know he's a shorter guy doesn't really have a lot of muscles so Anthony Hitchens does all the movements for him like that's the type of relationship they have that's something even you know at a press conference I'll say, hey, we're not going to see Spagnolo, but I know how close you guys are. What's the number one focus this year? And right away, he's like, yeah, me and Spags talked about red zone defense. We need to be better in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And then Spags gets up a few days later, and pretty much they're saying the same things. Like we sometimes joke on the offensive side of the football how Patrick Mahomes is almost a mini Andy Reid sometimes at these press conferences and, the, and them saying the same thing. You can make that case for Anthony Hitchens yeah. and. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo. All right, I'm going to go to my next question. I think we have two left, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like all over the place with this draft. This was my idea, workshopped, and I don't even know what I'm doing, but I, I think it is my turn. <laughs> yeah, it is. Does Noah Gray really look like a baby Travis Kelsey as advertised? A lot of, <laughs> lot of people said that Travis Kelsey, when he was a, a good young player, was like a baby Gronk. And I think finally Kelsey emerged through that. Gronk retired for that year and people just turned right to George Kittle. I felt very sorry for Travis Kelsey. And I think Kelsey reminded everybody last year just how damn good he is. And I'm eager to see what he does with Noah Gray. We are due to talk to these players in about, I don't know, uh, what two hours from this recording. I, I'm going to actually ask Travis Kelsey about Noah Gray and and how maybe it reminds him of when Anthony Fasano was training him and when he was a younger player in 13 or 14. But I, I think he's in position now to really develop this player. The Chiefs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken here, I've only drafted one tight end since Kelsey, and it was James O'Shaughnessy, which does not count. I think he's O'Shaughnessy, believe it or not, is somehow still in the league. I believe I think he is. Yeah. I believe he's yeah. with the Jaguars. I'll have to double check that once I turn it to you, John. But Noah Gray is supposedly this possible replacement in the sense like Travis Kelsey doesn't have to play 95% of snaps. You know, maybe you're at 80, 85, but he's got to look good. And I think you find that out in mandatory minicamp, you find that out in training camp. You know, my next question uh, on my list was, did the Chiefs strike gold with Noah Gray? (laughs) So we're thinking along the same lines here. Oh, good. Uh, You know, and and I think that that's, uh, I think you're exactly right, that this time the Chiefs have got a guy that can play the role, they believe that he can play the role that Kelsey plays. He's not a blocking tight end. You know, he's not, you know, the guy that they've had on the roster the last couple of years. He's more like a guy like Demetrius Harris, who could come in and be a productive tight end as a receiver, uh, but but uh, also be a blocker. 
And uh, so the question is going to be, is he able to fulfill that role for the Chiefs? Were they right to take this guy? And will he be the guy that could uh, someday take Kelsey's place in the offense when he finally retires? Yeah, and I don't think Kelsey's ready to retire. So this could be this double tight end situation for a while. Like I don't think it has to be either or. Maybe it's something dialing it back to what New England used to do and what they'll be trying to do this year once again with both Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith now that they have him. By the way, the Chiefs drafted uh, James O'Shaughnessy and then ended up flipping him in the 2017 NFL draft, uh, sending O'Shaughnessy and a six-round pick to the New England Patriots for a fifth-round pick, who turned into Ukeme Aligwe. What a terrible trade. O'Shaughnessy <laughs> is indeed still in the league. He was cut by the Patriots, but did catch on with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now he'll be catching passes from one Trevor Lawrence. Okay, John, I think you have our last question here. Uh, let's see. I already mentioned the Byron Pringle question that was here. So I am left with what role will Daniel Sorensen play mm. this season? Uh, they've kept him on the roster to this point. Um, you know, he could always be a cap casualty when we get to the uh, the final cutdown day, depending on how things go. Uh, We'd but, say that every year, and then he's on the team, John. I'm right, not, right. I'm not... You can you can bet your ass, listeners, that I am not cutting Sorensen on my 53. He is well, making every projection. <laughs> Sorry if you're not happy about that. Well, I'd probably be there with you. I, I think that, that it, a lot would have to be happening for the Chiefs to even consider cutting him. But you have to consider that possibility, of course. It's a, it's a non-zero chance he'll be cut, but it's pretty close to zero. Um, but what role will he play? Um, you know, last season he was on the field for almost every defensive play in one role or another. Part of that was because one Thornhill uh, wasn't where they wanted him to be in his recovery. So that was part of it. But sometimes they used him as a hybrid safety linebacker, that kind of a role in some of the packages. So, uh, you know, how does he fit into this? If Willie Gay is getting more snaps, if, um, if Nick Bolton is out there more often, what what role does he play? Is he just Tyron Matthews' backup? Is that what he does in 2021? So I think that's an interesting question to consider as we get into uh, minicamp and training camp. Yeah, I just pulled up Sorensen snaps from last year and 497 in the box, 225 as a free safety, 51 as a wide corner, 165 as a slot corner, 147 along the defensive line. And it's just a player similar in Matthew who can do a lot. And I think Mm -hmm. as fans and reporters were constantly like, well, this guy's more athletic, get him on the field. A lot of it is smarts with Sorensen. Right. It's just just Mm -hmm. a film study guy. I remember during the 19 Super Bowl, Tyron Matthew actually tweeting out a photo of Dan studying during Super Bowl week when they've been preparing for two weeks, but Dan, Dan Sorensen's getting in some extra film. So he's a fighter. I think he'll make the roster. It's a good question to ask, though. I think we've asked, asked 10 questions now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dump some questions on you that I didn't get to say um, <laughs> as we finish here. How does Antonio Callaway look? Curious mm-hmm. about that. I think he can be a six receiver. We've talked about that, so that's why I didn't end up using it. What kind of shape are Lucas Niang and LDT in? They had the year off. So are they good to go? Can they good just question. jump right in? Yep. You hear constantly from coaches 
that football shape is different than just gym shape. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they're going to need to get back in. Now they have a month to do it and probably and hopefully, and, and it seems this way, three preseason games. So they should be fine there. And then uh, my last one that I didn't get to was who's taking the punt returner and kick returner reps. Uh, we talked about Byron Pringle, but don't forget before he faced injuries last year, he was starting to turn into Dave Tope's favorite kick returner. And you wonder if McColl stays the punt returner where Byron Pringle becomes your primary kick return. I wonder if that uh, is an extension of what we were seeing toward the end of last year. And of course, as a rookie, you always have to expect that Cornell Powell will be somebody who they right. might give kind of that kind of work. Well, you to. go out to mandatory minicamp and training camp, yeah. you have 15 returners and Dave yeah. Tove is like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. You, I mean, you, yeah. They almost yeah. miss out on reps because there's so many that that do it. But I guess you can never have enough when it comes to that position. So I have left over what role would Ben Neiman play this season. It's kind of a similar mm. question to the Sorensen question. Yeah. Another guy that that might be. Uh, Didn't know we were going to get to Lord Voldemort today. Right. <laughs> right. And then finally, uh, will the Chiefs get serious about making Eric Bieniemy a head coaching candidate? Yeah. Will they put him on the sidelines in more of a play calling role at some point? That seems to be the thing that that at least the pundits think is the downside to be enemy. He just doesn't have, doesn't have that play calling experience. I disagree with that. Yeah. I don't think you have to do it. I think if you're in the circuit where the plays are being called as be enemy is and has been for a number of years, you're ready to make those play calls on your own. If you've been listening to Andy Reid and participating in the discussion, I think you'll be a good play caller when it's your turn. But, uh, you know, somehow that message isn't getting out to the rest of the league. And so could the Chiefs be saying, well, let's give him that opportunity to, you know, have Andy take the headset off once in a while. My knowledge, the last time we saw someone call plays other than Reed, it was during a losing streak in 17 when Mm -hmm. folks were wondering if Alex would get benched for Mahomes. And I believe Andy handed it over to Nagy just for a change uh, quite a bit. And then right Mm -hmm. after that, uh, Matt Nagy became a head coach uh, of the Chicago Bears. He was gifted Mitch Trubisky. He finally was able to take his quarterback this year in Justin Fields. That's a, another conversation for another day. Right. I think we'd yeah. all like to see Nagy have some success with Fields uh, there in Chicago. But that's 10 questions about the Chiefs as we head into mandatory minicamp again beginning this morning. And we build now right into what will be training camp in a couple months here. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Keep it locked into the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network coming up tomorrow. It's the Arrowhead Drive, followed by Out of Structure, taking your Chiefs questions on Twitter later in the week. Show and BK and the Great British Chiefs Show. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.